Coffee Time Wednesdays with uh, the Prairie Farm Podcast. Can't hit us with the jingle. Welcome back to the Prairie Farm co- Pod. Co- po- hey, uh, <laughs> All right, Kent, bring us in. <laughs> Kent. Welcome back to the Prairie Farm Podcast. Your favorite co-host, Kent, sitting to my extreme left is Peyton Scandridge, and sitting just oh, southwest of me right now is the Hawaiian shirt-wearing man, Nicholas Lirio. Your favorite host, here for your favorite 15 minutes of your week, and possibly the worst of ours. Well, I always say 15 minutes. It's always like 25 minutes. Yeah. Let's be real. It's like, Plus, you just had your worst 15 start, minutes of your week. Yeah. <laughs> we should call it the lunchtime podcast. We coffee time is becoming lunchtime. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's going to be still coffee time because that's a better slogan. Well, but. here's the deal. When Nick can't be here, it'll be the lunchtime podcast because it will actually be 15 minutes. So it's ironic at that point. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> okay. Speaking of funny, I'm going to go first this week. Oh, wait. No, Why we'll is get that to it funny? I'll well, go last. Yeah, you'll go last. whimsical in nature. Although I will say this. Do you ever have those people in your life where they have made you laugh enough times that just thinking of them or looking at them uh, just starts to make you chuckle a little bit? Nick is entering that territory in my life. For you? Yes. Here's what I think it That's is. Sad. Kent and I have spent enough time with each other with not enough sleep and That's like delirious true. laughing that we like look at each other and... Are, Think of some vague memory. You, dude, dude, we like, we'll have in the middle of podcasts where we were thinking of something funny about the person just made up in our own minds, saying a weird scenario before the podcast, before we meet him. And then we meet him, we're in the middle of the podcast, and then I'll make an eye contact with Ken, and he's like trying not to lose it. It's terrible. Oh, it's terrible. Okay. You remember that time when I was uh, sleeping on our way back from Wisconsin? And we were almost back to my house, and I like woke up on that one random turn and gave you yeah. some, some, driving like, hey, ins- <laughs> some driving instructions. He'd been asleep for like an hour and a half, and, it, and and if he wants to say anything, he could drive at one thirty in the morning. He was like, "Hey, be careful on these turns." And I drive these turns every day, twice. And he's like, "Be careful on these turns." And I was going like forty six miles an hour. It's just like <laughs> you're like, "Okay, kid, all I'll right, be careful. Okay, go back to bed." Here's your blankie. All right, so I'm going first today. My wife sent me this thing. It was wild. It is a, uh, and I did not do any research except to verify that it was a real thing. It is an AI-controlled machine. Well, part of it's AI. So it's like a self-propelled machine or could be tractor-pulled that weeds fields. And inside that machine, there's a computer and a laser. Hmm. that just looks down on the field. It doesn't look in the distance. It can only look direct what's directly below it. And it looks down and it can identify weeds and then will zap them with one single laser, one little and that fries the weeds. And you're supposed to get them, I guess when the weeds are real small, like, like three inches tall, but um, I've seen organic farmers, what they'll do. If they're any bigger than that, you might light your whole field on fire. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I, I've seen where organic farmers will, the weeds get taller than the corn or beans and they mm-hmm. go in with like a huge electric zapper, but it has to like touch the plants and it just goes over the whole thing. It And so it sweeps over the bean or corn, so, but it, and it only gets the things taller than the bean and corns. Well, this, um, this one was wild. It literally just zapped like with an, like a laser you'd see on Batman 
and it just freaking Batman the heck out of these weeds. Uh, Superman eye lasered, if you will. So, which is it? Uh, I think we're going with Superman. I guess it depends on if they keep coming back. What about the Batman. guy from X Men who had like the yeah? The, oh, like that's uh, better. Cy- Cyclops. 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 Yes. Here's why it's better because in the comics, I've actually never read an X X Men comic, but from the shows, uh, Cyclops freaking kills people. So we're gonna call it Cyclops because Batman don't kill nobody and Superman don't kill nobody. So we'll call it Cyclops. Cyclops don't hold back. So it Cyclops the heck out of those weeds. Um, if you had to fight one of those three characters, I think I would pick Cyclops because yeah, you just got to get away from his eyes. <laughs> no, no, because he'd put me out of my. I'm not getting away from any of them. Let's be real. Superman's the only one where you'd have a chance because he has one very glaring weakness. Oh, that's true. Yeah, so if you just... had Kryptonite, or I guess, you but just... even then, he's like a grown man that's like fairly strong. Unfortunately, I feel like. Kryptonite I feel like... doesn't exist. No, bro. Kryptonite like actually kills him though. Well, not if it's just like by him. Unfortunately, you know I mean? yeah, but you just rub it all over him. Get right away from you. <laughs> so, so are we assuming? So are we assuming that since in this world Superman exists, therefore Krypt- Kryptonite yes. has oh, yeah, to for exist? Sure. Okay, for sure. okay. Also, you know how we're not a political po- podcast or a sports podcast. We're also not a comic book podcast. So, and I've never listened to a single one of those in my life. I'm sure they're great, but. Uh, all right. <laughs> Nick listens to him all the time. <laughs> no, I really don't. I really don't. All right. So that's what I had. The The reason I think that would be crazy. I don't know what the cost would be like an AI software thing. And, and what I could see on the video is it could only cover like six rows of plants at a time, which is not much. But if you could have them self driving and you just put them out in the field, that's a big deal. Yeah, I can't I can't play along and be totally ignorant here because Nick shared the video with me. And that was so very, very cool technology. The thing that struck me as a pretty significant drawback was just how slow the thing moves. But and if you don't have to be in the thing. Yeah. Right. So that's so I agree one hundred percent. If it if it was an autonomous thing, we've talked about autonomous farming before, and I think there can be uh a few good uses for it and um, uh, a lot of bad uses for it. I'll say it that way. This would be one of the few good uses I can mm. see. I feel like you could put a solar, big old solar panel on the top, yeah. which isn't going to run it like indefinitely. But I feel like, I mean, Peyton, you're our solar amateur. <laughs> expert. <laughs> yeah, expert. Okay, amateur sorry. expert. Do you think with like a big, like six foot by 10 foot solar panel on the top of that thing, do you think that could keep it running? I don't know why we're, we just, it doesn't move that fast. Just get an extension cord. I hear you, but some of those fields are real big. Just get a real big extension cord. Uh, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I feel like the, the extension cord would just like knock out all the plants. So as it would change rows, it would like be like this giant sweeping. I don't know. Cause you, uh, char- what you do is you charge it up and you get, what does Tesla get on their batteries? 300 miles. You get 300 miles on that bad boy. And then, uh, you yeah, get plenty of miles on it. Yeah, yeah. you're yep. fine. And then you put a a sunroof and then just make it a Roomba. You know, it's amazing. Steps. Yeah, just this thing's literally just a Roomba. <laughs> it's a Roomba with extra steps. That's really what it is. Yeah. You know, something interesting though is your mileage when you're going down and back. Your mileage adds up really quickly. You know, compared to like when you think of linear yeah, distance. So. So let me tell a story here. I used to blacktop in a former, not a career, it was my summer job when I was teaching. 
And uh, this one day we had this huge parking lot that we did. And the first step what you'd have to do is clean off the parking lot. You have these giant machines called a billy goat that has like a little wind tunnel on it. And that thing can like move your feet. Like if it's blowing on your feet, it'll like move you almost. And so you go across like you're push mowing an entire parking lot. And I, I tracked my steps on my, uh, on my phone and we took a late lunch. So I'll, I'll, I'll say that part. But from working from like, I don't know, 6.30 till 2.30 that day, I had 43,000 steps by 2.30. Just wow, by that's going, miles. Well, like six just miles? By going, oh, no. It's, that was like, well, that's like, it was 8, like 14 feet. miles or something like that. Just before. Well, it's like 8,000 feet. 8,000 divided by, or sorry, 80,000 feet. So 80,000 divided by five. So that's yeah, about yeah, we'll have to, We'd have to yeah. do some. Yeah, that that's crazy. I'm so math. So it was the the point being your charge like you're gonna, you're going to hit that mileage pretty quick on that machine going yeah. going back and forth six rows at a time. Well, but also it just can't go very fast. Right. I mean, when when do we get to the point where those machines are just running at night around us and we're in the matrix, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but uh we can move on. Ken, what you got? So uh I was listening to our uh podcast, our coffee time uh, Wednesday of last week when Nick and I were uh, on our way to uh, Western Iowa to go see the Lus Hills and have some pretty spectacular tour guides take us through there and hang out with our good buddy Taylor Keene and uh, our, our other friend uh, Tabitha Panis and then we met some new people as well and uh, just a great day but anyways on my way there I was listening to Coffee Time and I talked about the the wetlands, you know, U.S. Supreme Court had ruled that wetlands are going to stop receiving federal oversight or protection, I guess you could say, unless they're associated with a major river or, or lake that the federal government is already responsible for. And so we just talked about, you know, the implications of that. And Nick asked me a really good question. And at the time, I was like, wow, that's a good stumper. Um, so I used to teach this stuff all the time. You know, I took classes on this stuff in college. Uh, I used to teach an earth science class. I taught that for five years and I never, ever was asked this question. And I never came across this question on a test or anything like that. The question was, what is the difference between a wetland and like a pond? And Nick didn't realize how good his question was. No, because I don't know the difference between a wetland. And well, a pond. it turns out there really isn't a set definition for what a wetland is and it's kind of a big deal uh because not only you know just like oh how do we define that thing you know not from like not just from a scientific standpoint but from a legal standpoint you know oh, if you yeah. tell if you tell a, a, a farmer hey you can't you can't tell those acres that's considered a wetland and then he says says who and it's like well what does the law define it as? Yeah. So I found this out when I was researching this, and I said something stupid in last week's week's podcast, something contradictory to what I had said earlier. I talked about how wetlands are important in their role in uh, being basically a retention for runoff and a, a sink for nutrients that come through runoff. And then I said, well, it's probably it must uh, a wetland must not be something that uh, is built by runoff after I just talked about all of its you know, usefulness runoff. That is not part of it at all. So I looked it up, and this is from the USDA. 
and uh, I took a couple of screenshots uh, of what I read from them. Here's how USDA defines it. All of these definitions include one or more of the four essential factors. So it's defined by four essential factors. Integration of physical, chemical, and biophysical aspects in the environment as an ecosystem. So it has to be a functioning ecosystem. The central role of water as a defining feature. So that means water obviously has to be there all the time. And it's got to be like a critical part of that ecosystem that they said has to exist. The, uh, the presence of substrate or soils formed under saturated conditions, also known as hydric soils. So soils that are going to form in a perpetually wet environment. And the presence of vegetation adapted for saturated conditions hydrophytic vegetation aquatic or semi-aquatic vegetation so you're not going to find that stuff growing out in the middle of yeah so like you know, sedges. pasture you need right. sedges Sa sedges and do you remember on our hike last week when they showed us that uh horsetail that was growing up mm -hmm. in that yep and or the arrowhead that they had growing out in the right by the pond mm -hmm. yep so it's it it's got to have stuff like that now you'll notice though within that those four those four qualifiers for something to be considered a wetland, how is that any different from a pond, right? A yeah. pond is going to meet all those. It's going to have a functioning ecosystem. Water's going to be there. Um, uh, you're going to have soil on the bottom of that pond that is a hydric soil. So would soil. ponds be a subcategory of wetlands, whereas other that, wetlands I'm, could just be wetland, like land that tends to stay yeah, perpetually here, wet? Here's, here's maybe where you could see a difference. I don't, I don't, so I don't know based on your question there, but there are some ponds that dry up, you know, uh, from time to time that you could not count as a wetland because it's not, it's missing one of those four things. It's missing the water. So, but couldn't a wetland dry up? No, because no, it's always wet. Not based on these qualifiers. Yeah. So if, if a place dries up, even if it's called a wetland, it's technically not a wetland. Yeah. Right. And so you'd have to look at the history of the area. You'd be like, oh, we mm. know that that spot dries but, out every once every 10 years. I mean, Kent, could you, like in circumstances of extreme drought, I feel like you'd have to be able to make an exception because if... if well, that's if, a good question. You know, you look at... So apply this to the future with climate change and changing climate. You might have places like Peyton saying that have never been dry, but now you have maybe five, six, seven years of drought stacked up on top of each other, and now all of a sudden yeah. it's dry. You might lose its wetland designation at that point. I don't know. So it's, it's kind of interesting. And then uh, there was in here, um, you know, another, like, definition of terms page, and it basically just put all that all those four qualifiers together in a sentence. So I, for sake of redundancy, I won't, I won't read that again, but, and then they said there can even be different differing, like legal definitions for that too. Wow. So that actually could get pretty messy. If a farmer took the USDA to court over making him right. not tile an area. And if there's no set definition. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, I mean, I'm sure there's, I'm sure that's been explored a million times over. So they probably have their way of yeah still handing down some kind mm. of, law on that but yeah fascinating ended up being a quite the can of worms you opened there Nick. yeah kent he researched it for six days he called in work he was distraught actually he <laughs> called me screaming that night actually i, I took know. these screenshots at 11 p.m last night <laughs> <laughs> all right all right all right so peyton 
What you got? Mine's pretty boring compared to that. Compared so, to the old wetland. <laughs> the wetland. Did you guys see that dam burst in um, Ukraine though? Too? No, no. It was nuts. Like it was Russia was it controlled. Related, was it related to war? Yeah, it was Russia controlled, but it was a big. It was a big dam that burst, so people had to basically evacuate and flee and everything. Um, but mine, I figured I'd just talk about the seaweed again for a little bit. I know it's become mainstream and boring um, <laughs> because it's actually a thing now, but. The seaweed has landed. I don't know if y'all have the followed the news. The seaweed has landed. Like Apollo. Yeah, yeah. Like Seaweed 13, brother. It's it's up in that shoreline now. Um, really? So what's going on? Well, it's kind of ruined old beach season down in Florida in a lot of places. I, I believe this is all like the southern tip of Florida where a lot of the beaches are. But, I mean, the pictures on, I think the Guardian was the Guardian um, was the one that wrote it. But they said it was all like decomposing at this point so it smells terrible and apparently in combination with the plastics and stuff that have gone in there it's managed to feed this flesh eating bacteria Ugh. that makes it almost dangerous to clean up oh yeah flushing flesh eating bacteria is no joke yeah you say it casually like you've like like, like it is you've a joke. encountered flesh eating <laughs> no, bacteria I, you guys were probably maybe you guys are still in high school but the flesh eating bacteria really made the news there are quite a few people uh, who were. It sounds like this. Literally, sounds like a comic book villain. <laughs> well, you know, like uh, MRSA or staph infection. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so you know, bacterial Peyton's infection. Real familiar that's, with it. That's. No. <laughs> 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 I thought that was body lice. It's anyways. poison ivy. Okay, back off. <laughs> so, uh, so, anyways, uh, flesh-eating bacteria—they are exactly what they say they are. It's bacteria that's really hard to kill off with antibiotics, and it the, the bacteria just feed on your feed on your uh, flesh, and eventually, if you can't get it, you know, under control, you lose hands, feet, or your life. Kent, wow! I have something much more important than flesh-eating bacteria. If you check under your chair, I have a little gift for oh, you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, was running across this on the old Instagram. Um, very crucial thought experiment to take us out on so imagine i know you guys like to do thought experiments and imagine imagine with me you're in an arena with 50 hawks 10 crocodiles three bound bears 15 wolves one hunter could be kent with a gun seven buffalo ten thousand rats five gorillas and four lions you have to pick two to defend you and everything else is going to attack you with the goal to survive as long as possible i think three brown bears and ten thousand rats I, I think the 10,000 rats can do a lot of damage. That seems like the best one. The, because you the pick rats, the biggest sure. and the smallest. Right? But yeah, I mean... I'm going, I'm going with, after talking with Steve Hansen... About... Uh, the the toughness of a brown bear. That I mean, he, he could take the whole the whole thing I, from the hunter. I well, still keep think I'd rather have seven buffalo, though. Than a brown bear? Than three brown bear. You're telling me. Yeah, well, when it came down a, to it, they two have buffalo. A, buffalo have a... They also have a back down response. Yeah, but we're assuming all of these are attacking. Not these ones. All of these are fighting. The fifty hawks. So basically, like you're just choosing out. what not to be attacked by, not what's <laughs> yeah. defending you. Dude, ten thousand rats <laughs> is terrifying, is it not? Yeah. No, I would. I I think ten thousand rats wins everything almost by itself. I'm going brown bears and rats. Yeah, I'm going. Although I feel like an argument could be made for the uh gorillas or the wolves but i'm not sure i also wonder crocodiles might be the thing to take out the rats because of their hard their hard scales 
Yeah, but the, you just get overwhelmed by this overwhelming amount of you know how many rat the ten thousand rats brother <laughs> so many rats no you, i think what i'm thinking is the 10 crocodiles think of how thick their skin is and they're just eating a rat one okay time. so but we're in agreement though. okay yeah, thank you so much rifle. for listening into this episode of coffee time presented by hoxie native seeds if you need yet. prairie seed come over here and get it you can go to the prairiefarm.com or you can go to com and you again. can order your CRP mixes, your backyard pollinator, your hunting mixes. It's time to get those in it. place, too. So do so. We can all agree that, though, we are sponsored by Hoxie Native Seeds, and that's just as important as 10,000 rats.